Trenches. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to From the Trenches, real life in the accounting industry startup financial year party. I am your host, David Boyer from SQL CFO. I'm joined here with Paul Meisner from Freedom Mentoring. We're brought to you again by BGL, Australia's number one corporate compliance and superannuation software. And we are currently in the auspicious offices of Judo Bank. A lot more trendier than the sort of bank that I'd expect, Paul. Uh, this is very trendy office for a bank. Hello, listeners. Hello, all. Thank you for joining us tonight. What a turnout, David. I, I can't I, believe you all came. I thought someone was spamming us with all these ticket sales. I know. No, thank you very much. Uh, wonderful. <laughs> Amazing when you put on free beer. Uh, so thank you to Judo and BGL for that. How's that dry July going, huh? Yeah, yeah. suckers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it, David. It might have yeah, to be. Yeah, when? It was like, like <laughs> seven in the morning. Never. <laughs> Never. Uh, no, right. Well, let's get down to it. Uh, so the normal show, uh, I don't know how long we've been doing this, three years. We should get used to it. In-depth topic today, David, I want to revisit the New Year's resolutions we did at the party mm, Hold last ourselves year, accountable. See whether or not we came close. I think I'm two from three. You're claiming three from three, but we'll get into that that's later. Only, that's only because I'm walking back what I originally said, though. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, and then I, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to each have an industry trend that we think... Uh, where do we think the next year will go? We're going to try to deliver actual insight based on the amount of people and work that we do in the industry and try to actually add some value rather than just complaining about things all the time. So I challenged Paul and I said, we're looking forward. I said, you can't say things are going to stay exactly the same. I'm sick of you, you saying that, Paul. Oh, Paul, a, a question from the audience. Are you going to try to be a thought leader? No. I love you, mate. Oh, I actually I, I try. Sometimes I just love you. Right, best on ground. Where you got? But first, so I'm glad you said we're not going to complain. So, but first of all, we're going to do best and worst on ground, which traditionally just becomes us ranting. You got anything? Are we ranting today? Oh, so this, I'm dead serious. This actually happened. We sit down. Usually, we do the content maybe 20 minutes before the show. So Paul just likes stuff on LinkedIn and Twitter, and that's sort of his. A catalog of content that he goes through. I take links, I put it in a Teams group that I've got, and then I sort of edit it and put it in. We literally sit down and he looks at me and he says, oh, I've got no bursts. Said, Paul, there's 100 people here. <laughs> you sure you got no bursts? He goes, no, nah, I'm taking one of yours. Uh, and I think, thank you, David, for outing me on that. Uh, for every other episode, almost every other episode this year, David does steal most of my content. It has been 30 June, David. I think we've we've come across the end of the financial year. Um, uh, you're not in tax, David. You're. Oh no, financially is critical. Budgeting season. Next okay. three weeks are huge. Everyone trying to get sign off budgets from everyone. Fair Marketing enough. people wanting more money. IT people wanting more money. Everyone wants more money. Nobody's sitting there saying, "Here's what I'm going to do to make money." Except the business owners, Paul, the backbone of the Australian economy. Jesus. Oh. <laughs> and then when <laughs> we're done, then when we're done, we'll call up the tax accountant. You, so are, hey, having, you are having a water. There is a problem there. Uh, my best on ground is H&R Block cuts out. I'm just going to keep going with the Ooh, show. Holly like Ransom's talking at my Partner Connect. I just saw that on the – that's interesting. Holly Ransom is everywhere. I think she just talks at everything. Um, uh, client demand, H&R Block <coughs> excuse me, cuts out paper. May we get that many zeros ahead of tab- Paul. Ahead of wink, tax wink. time. I think it's interesting that uh, this is probably the first um, – Big organisation in the tax sphere to go digital on this scale. I think a lot of the smaller firms are used to it a bit more. But H&R Block is a, a massive, a massive organisation. I think it's a really big story because 
we are faced with challenges in our businesses and we can find every excuse why not to do something. It is so easy to say, I'm too busy. It's so easy to say the problem's not that bad. It's so easy to say, well, nobody's asking for anything different, so I'm not going to grow and I'm not going to change. And then H&R Block come out and have saved, where's the stat? 28 million pieces of paper between now and the end of this year. 140 tonnes of paper. Now, they're an organisation that's got resources that can plan out this change management. They'll have resources that devise the new IT system that they were going to do. And, and they would have had help that, that are doing it. But we really need to ask our question, a question of ourselves. If H&R Block can do it, why can't we? Very good question, David. I, th- I think you've, they've probably got a whole IT department dedicated to this rollout. It's a change management piece. A change management piece in that organisation is much harder than every one of our businesses. What I would like to find out and what I think we should do is find out how it went. This is what they intend to do. They're dealing with individual clients who are probably hooked on paper for their entire careers and some of the individuals that do, they're probably closer to the shoebox end of of society. Let's see. Because I know I've had enough uh, issue with my generally older clients, but not limited to that, trying to organise online signatures. As, as much as we're putting this in best, there's a fair bit of marketing spit in this. The original story was that H&R Block announced it would aim to cut out paper. Now, do most people think that means completely paperless? Cut out is 100%. Well, I did. I don't know. You're shaking your head there. But for me, it was 100%. By the end of the story, they said, moving to, in, in bunny ears, paper light. So we're not cutting it out. We're just doing the light version you now mean because this, it was a little bit too hard. You mean this particular online publication, David, doesn't the the uh, headlines don't match the article? No, that's the that's no. I'm talking about the spin that's come out of H and R Block. There, ah, they, well just, done. they just published it. Well done. Right. What's the rest of your best on ground? Um, I'll tell you what. Every now and again, you see a story where it is inspiring to be an accountant to have the ability to have an impact on businesses. Um, Recently, many people would have heard that Catch.com sold their business for $200 million to West Farmers. It's one of those great Aussie entrepreneurial stories. The founder, Gubby Leibowitz, uh, on LinkedIn, went, uh, went out on LinkedIn on 1 July. Now, this is a guy who just sold his business to $200 million. I guarantee you he's got more fun things to do than this. And you know what he did? He thanked his accountant. He went on LinkedIn and he said, I don't want to see the photo of them, Paul. I need to see the text. Happy New Year to the accountants out there. Pictured here is my accountant and great friend, Guy. Guy's a big reason for the success of Catch and all of our ventures over the years. I can absolutely say that he and my brother uh, could not have come so far without him. You have been our rock. Now, here's the big bit. If you are a startup, big or small business, please do not compromise on the standards of your accountant. This is right now one of the most popular and successful business owners in the world who took time out of his day to thank his accountant. It is a career event to be able to help a client do a transaction like this there wouldn't there wouldn't be two you you'd get one if you're lucky you're going to get one client who gets to do something like this and i think it's so great and it's such a great advocacy for our industry that it's such a high profile client bothers to thank us i think i think clearly it's a great story and i think that uh clients do have that relationship with their accountant uh, despite what you read in the marketing about becoming a trusted advisor although AVB might disagree with that. Oh, well, there the we res- go. Well, yeah, well, that, he's, that, but that research, we should do a piece on that. 50% of all clients think that their accountant doesn't act in their best interest. Gabby Leibowitz clearly thinks his does. Now, my next best on ground. When we started this show, we didn't know it was going to happen. Like, literally had no idea. 
We now have an instance where we have a raving fan who has decided to invest in something called fan fashion. And I'd like everybody to turn around to the middle of the room. There's a man standing in the middle, Daniel Chamonata. He's the general manager of BGL, and he's wearing, what's on your T-shirt, Daniel? From the trenches, best on ground. So best on ground is going to Tramart for taking the time to be uh, so supportive of us and from the trenches. Part of the re- – round of applause, please, for Daniel. Now, the real story is that he rocked a uh, blue velvet jacket to QuickBooks Connect, asked me if I'd make it best on ground, and I said no. And now he's just tipped the scales beyond anything that I could possibly ignore. Uh, thank you very much for your support, Daniel. And it's very special for us to sit up here in front of 100 people and see you wearing the trenches shovels. That's hilarious. Our logo's a shovel. We're going to take that T-shirt later, I think. We're going to repo it for, might, for use of copyright just only because we want one. Coming in Excel. It might be for Paul. I might need a bit of an up on the size there, mate. <laughs> uh, now, next, you're doing some uh, – you're doing – you – so freedom mentoring – you, I told this story before. This should be your opening line whenever you meet with someone. Hi, I'm Paul Myers and I work two days a week. I spent eight weeks in Greece, Italy and Spain. I earn the same money that I used to all the time and if you want to do it, you should buy my freedom mentoring course. That should be – that's your pitch. Can I, can I write that down? Just give well, me a second. happens to be recorded, which is fortunate for you, this being a podcast and all. But you uh, – that is what freedom mentoring does. And one of the things about Trenches, we, we talk – people listen to the show and have no idea what we actually do to, to make a living. This Most doesn't. people just think I rant. Well, <laughs> why would they possibly? So, uh, but you're jumping on a webinar with BGL to do the modern compliance firm. And I'll tell you why I'm putting this in best on ground. I spent a lot of time going to conferences. I spent a lot of time working out which sessions I'm going to go to at conferences. I spent a lot of time working out who I want to go and try to heckle. You do not see enough content about how to do compliance efficiently at these things. It's amazing. It is even in the most advisory heavy firms. We have two here, Aptus Advisory and Business Depot, who are two award-winning compliance-led firms. But uh, Beck's come down from Sydney and John's come down from Brisbane just for this, right, guys? Absolutely. Yes. So these are two – but even in those businesses, and you don't have to say the number, but you would be – Is it? would you be in the majority on client uh, compliance revenue perhaps? Yeah, majority compliance revenue. You don't see anywhere anybody standing up stage saying, here's how to do compliance efficiently using modern technology. It just doesn't happen at conferences. So – Good on you. You've been on this case for ages and you're finally uh, doing something about it. Thank you very much. And thank you to BGL for, for letting me uh, deliver this content, I suppose. I think that the – David, it's just come from years of reading consistently about digital disruption and having been 100% cloud firm for nine years, I've seen nothing but digital opportunity and the benefits of running a firm – uh, geographically, uh, profitably, but still doing compliance. So that is the chance to uh, to share that knowledge Let's and get, freedom entry. Thanks for that. Can we get to, can we get to the good bit? Pay you later. Worst, worst on ground. Worst on ground. Go on, Dave. You start, David. This will be fun. You're going to just pick one of the greatest fights of all time. There's a phrase that many people would have heard of: revenue is vanity. Profit is something and sanity. What's cash? Reality. Reality. So why on earth are accountants boasting about their revenue growth on social media? We have a crisis, an absolute crisis of financial literacy in Australia. It is horrendous. I dare say that as a banker, and I'm looking at the bankers in the room here, you have knocked back loans because business owners simply couldn't present the financials of their business. 
a couple of weeks ago, we put best on ground the Canadian government for pr promoting public advertisements saying that your house is not your ATM. And now we're celebrating. Now, this is a trend. This first started last year in the promotion for the Accountant's Big Day Out, where every speaker was super revenue growth this and outstanding revenue that. And, Andrew, you're nodding because you were one of those speakers. And I saw it. And at the time... My revenue was... Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. <laughs> we limited the hurt. <laughs> but can't listen to him. Um, but, but that was done as a marketing thing to try to get people to come. And now I, I saw that people are boasting about it. Now, if you're on social media, people are looking at you and you have a profile and you actually have a bit of a responsibility. And I don't think that it's a good thing that accountants are promoting the metric that everyone in this room, and I'm sure many people listening, think is the vanity metric of finance, given the crisis of financial literacy we have. I also worry, David, about people who are trying to advise businesses and who just go, oh, just double, just spend more money, just, you know, don't worry about the foundations, put a second story on without making, you know, without making sure the foundations are right. That's my question. I've, I've always thought that um, there's been a lot of, hype around purely growth. I think the two things in, in accounting firms, and we see it in that um, whoever did the top 100 accounting firms, you know, all, all that type of stuff, there's never a um, – if you buy another firm or if you merge with another firm, all of a sudden that that figure goes into your growth. It's like – it's not growth. Like and, – and the other thing is starting from scratch. Like, like for like growth. That's what you want. Exactly. And all starting from scratch. It's like I started my – in year one, I went up 200%. No shit. So, oh, sorry, language. I know. I'm not allowed to swear. We, we'll yeah, lose, our, we'll no, lose our PG rating. But look, I, I think that is. But, but you wonder, are we now, though, with social media and with it all about being vanity, are we not – Andrew Vanderbeek suggesting that uh, you should, if you if you want to sell, you want to boast your strengths. Honestly, Andrew, these are accounting firms, mate. Profe and and I would agree firms. with you in software, but not in professional services. No. And I think that's the interesting. They're trying to put all these professional, uh, all these software matrix uh, KPIs and metrics into a professional service firm. Is pointless. I wonder if the uh, one of the metrics these firms are using are uh, cash runway. Don't know. It can't be profit. Uh, anyway, David, what's your next one? Keep going. I think that's enough of a fight picked. <laughs> I, we asked Joseph before about what's going on in the economy, but seriously, what on earth is going on? The Liberal Party won an election because they convinced us that the economy God just told us that we're going to have a surplus. And even still last week I was told that even if it's a break-even, it's still a surplus. I, the marketing spin came out about break-even's actually a surplus. And the headlines today about the economy, uh, I'm not spending a cent, it is that bad. It is catastrophic. Interest rates have, have dropped 1%. You've got a global crisis. Uh, Trump um, settling the trade war with China, at least momentarily, is good, but then it's also bad. I have no idea who to trust on economic commentary right now. I, I like following the kook on Twitter. Uh, very Labor very Labor guy, but usually very honest. I've almost, Even reading that, I'm starting to think, well, I can't really follow what's going on here. Here's what it means for us. Regularly, clients will come and ask us, what's going on out there? I don't think we can answer that right now because the question is, well, you're making the transactions, you tell me. And you've, I, I think that to find out what's going on in the economy right now is the business owners are out there trying to create wealth and try to capture value on their balance sheets that are probably closer to what's happening 
because I for the first, I know it's been a lot of people say this for a long time. I don't trust the media on economics anymore. I think exit polls and and gen, in general the media is suffering an issue of trying to get money. Uh, talk about facing disruption. I think that's an issue. I think certainly we're seeing that the the property market's got some serious questions around about, and I think we've said this on previous shows, is that there's almost a perfect storm of retail and those those business um, business demand dropping, property being, people have been drunk off being able to get lots of lending. We're seeing um, interest-free loans, all of them sort of starting to come out over the next two to three years out of their interest only period. It's going to be it's going to well, be tough. To bring the parallels to the exit polls. One of the amazing things after the exit polls at the election was that they said, "Well, the way we polls changed so much because everyone used to have landlines, so we knew where you were, and now on mobiles we don't know where you were. You, you are, but nobody in the exit polling industry said, you know what, we shouldn't comment because it's changed so much. I wonder if the economists are doing the same thing because when in the GFC they all said, oh, we didn't model this, as if like that was okay that we should just accepted that they didn't model it. Anyway, what do you got? Worst on ground. Uh, worst on ground today, David. It was last night or whatever. The Labor Party. So I've been accused today of being of being political. Uh, Matt Paff on Twitter said that I was. It was more about the colour of the party. Um, I think politicians are just. They need to stop tripping over themselves in ways to disappoint us. So the history of this, <laughs> and it does not matter what. Colour T-shirt you wear trying not to uh, be part of the political process. And largely, politicians are disappointing on on, on either side uh, of it. But this one was particularly bad. So uh, the coalition went to the election with tax cuts, rightly or wrongly. The Labor Party got uh, miraculously beaten uh, then said we're not going to support it, then said, look, we might support the tax cuts, just part of them, then kept reading all the polls and saying they were they were um, not on the right side of this and then said, look, we'll accept it, but the last, the last uh, act of pettiness, this is the taking a glass jar or taking a cup out of a restaurant after getting bad service. The dying, the dying wish. The dying apparently it's a thing, maybe. (laughs) No, I haven't. The dying anyway, the dying wish to just affect this bill was to change its name from tax relief so working Australians keep more of their money to tax relief so workings working Australians keep more of their money, but not for a really long time. Is that uh, from the producers of the guys who the made the Labor school for Party's kids who can't read really good? contribution to the political process, and forget the party, right? The, our politicians' contribution to this is a bit... They added the words. That is so long I lost focus. That is real. That is real. I, no, this I, is real. I have, I've double-checked this with Robin Jacobson because I, I saw this on LinkedIn this morning and I said, if this is true, because we read a lot online, and I'm like, I'm not going to jump at this under... Robin Jacobson read this last night, and she is a tax trainer, uh, has another very good podcast that, that I have appeared on as well. That They added the words, but not for a really long time, on the end of the bill as an amendment. Dead set. 
out. Yeah, like my five year my five year old would go. Oh, I don't think so. Like you know, I'm probably getting a bit much. How is our? How has our political process dr- dropped to this level? And I am not saying this is purely to one side or the other. I I think this is across the board. But this is to me the single greatest act of pettiness well, I've there, seen. There is some good news out of it. When I was at uni and you started using law and you buy your big uni books and you get this 500-page book, A New Tax Act, boring, the Corporations Act, boring. <laughs> Treasury law, what is it? I can't even, where is it here? Tre- uh, keep more of their money but not for a really long time. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go to that lecture. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so there is some benefit. They're going to get some uni kids in class. Here's what I think's, what's, what's, here's what I think's happening here. Recently, the, the Logies got disrupted. They got hacked. Tom Gleeson hacked the Logies. And the way that he did it is he worked out that even though he has the highest rating quiz show on TV and deserves to win a gold Logie because of it, it's still a voting system. And TV Week, who oh, I haven't heard of in years. I don't watch the Logies. I have no interest in it. TV Week missed the boat on how people get votes these days. They thought that they controlled it through their publications and forgot that Tom has Twitter. And so what Tom got to do was to ebb through all these and and nip away at all these different other angles and all these new mediums to chip away at the opposition. And I feel like this is the Labor Party trying to chip away after a heavy defeat and find new ways of winning and to try to play a game and it just has... The punch has missed and not landed. It's just petty. Like, I don't care whether it lands or doesn't or whether they're... Like, whoever kind of sits there and goes, oh, we've lost on everything. What do we do? Change the name. Anyway, whatever. Sworn again. Whoops. From the trenches. In-depth topic, David. So this is, this is a Matt Paff-inspired in-depth topic because the beauty of Matt Paff is, and if you don't know who he is, go follow him on LinkedIn. He makes these predictions about the accounting industry every year. And they're very insightful and they're very specific. Usually when people make predictions, they're not specific at all because we don't want to be held accountable to them. But his are. And about a year and a half ago, two years ago, he started saying at the end of the year, right, here's how I went. And he really harshly criticised himself. And for a show that values integrity, we like that. So we're doing the same based on our New Year's resolution last financial year. Here's what we said we were going to do, and we're going to chat how we did it. Now, Paul, you. And this is what we said we were going to do in our own firm. So we sort of set our own goals for our own businesses. You said, said, all right, ready? Let's just do a quick uh, yes, no. You said you're going to sack clients. Yeah, too soft. Honestly, like that. (laughs) 20 years running that one. Most accountants, 20 years running that one. Hands up, doesn't really work on a podcast. Got to do it anyway. Who's sacked a client? If you're an accountant in the last 12 months. Oh, I'm going to need to take notes. You know, there's a fair amount of people with their hand up. The funny thing was how proud and how quickly people put their hands up. I need I need the secret sauce. Anyway, I, I, fa- I have failed on that. Oh, so, oh wait. That is my a friend's, service. My friend's going to dump that's you. That's a service. That is, oh, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the outsourcing I need. It reminds me. It reminds me of when I got Sean to dump Kate when I was in grade four. For me, we're going to ex- we're going to explore that. Number two, you said you're going to cut back on your volunteer roles. I did successfully, and then uh, seemed to fall into a whole lot in the back end of the what year. What do you do now? You're still head of the Australian Curling Association's Olympic bid. <laughs> no. No, thank you for mentioning curling. We do love on the podcast getting a curling reference in every now and then. No, 
Uh, cut back on no, cut back on my volunteer roles, and then I don't, did anyone else just find themselves getting pulled back into volunteer roles? I, I swear I thought I was out of a whole lot. And the the last one out. is on the board of a golf club, but that's going to get me a golf membership, so that's all right. I'm, I figure that's a that's a net sum gain. Uh, and you had you were going to invest more in freedom mentoring, definitely. definitely and I, and I think that was that's been the real success, which is good. Which uh, Wayne uh, Schmidt and Sally Schmidt have come on board, and you know that is has something that's certainly taken leaps and bounds, and will take more. So that's been probably what am I one from one from three? That's not too bad. That's shocking, one but that's all right. That, Meatloaf didn't sing, sing one out of three ain't bad. Well, he should. Well, <laughs> actually, he could have if it was the AFL Grand Final. If it was after the AFL Grand Final, he would have. Uh, David, where did you go? Um, yours were a bit vague, I think. You, yeah, because I didn't of... want to be held accountable for it. Oh, I was much enough. more strategic than you were. Uh, looking at all opportunities. So I put this in there because I, for a few years, was so narrow with what I wanted to be doing. And I think the things came past me and I said no too often to things. And I wanted to start saying yes a bit more. I think I did that a little bit more. Uh, which has created opportunities in places that I didn't think that they would come from. And I think that there is a lesson for everyone in saying yes to a few more things where we previously would have said no. I think you can, you can open up some good experiences there. But at the same time, I don't remember doing it, don't know what I was talking about, and was deliberately vague so I wouldn't have to face the consequences. Sounds like you, David. Uh, number two, Thursday mornings. Uh, da- now, we're not allowed to call it Daddy Daycare. We got told off on a previous podcast. No, it's called being a dad. Podcast, Parenting. Parenting. parenting, Thursday morning parenting. So I did that for all of last year until my daughter was one. Uh, this year she goes to childcare in the mornings. And I would say that that time, so that sort of four hours that I had her, I still have, but it's spread throughout the week. I think this was an interesting learning. The business doesn't stop for like a four-hour chunk, but it can slow down for two two-hour chunks or four one-hour chunks throughout a week so that you can still get that contact time that you want. That's been hard to manage. It, it's interesting. In terms of business not stopping, for someone who your religion gives you more than the average holidays... <laughs> I like... I, just, I, don't, I, I like that you... you, you no, it's, you look at it as a benefit. It is a massive disruption. So I, sorry, I rephrased. I was not calling it a benefit, but I was saying that... <laughs> You'll probably want to write some Holid- fancy holidays. tax acts that I get taxed for it. No, 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 not at all. But no, but you... For someone that has to... That has to... arrange Arrange... Yes. Downtime for so many things. It's interesting. So I cannot preach enough. So what Paul's talking about, I practice the Jewish Sabbath, which means from sunset Friday to sunset Saturday, I have no technology. No mobile phones, no emails, no television, no Batman Arkham City on PlayStation. What it does, though, is it forces me to spend time with my family and my friends because otherwise I get bored and it forces me to read books. It doesn't force me to read books. It forces me to buy books that accumulate dust <laughs> in random places throughout the Fair house. Enough. Um, Fair enough. But, but that doesn't mean that during the pace of the week, you, st- you still want to spend time with your family. I, the, the Jewish religion does have more mid... I was talking more about the midweek holidays than the weekend ones. You do have, you do have extended days where you aren't. Anyway, that went down well, so let's just keep moving. Uh, <laughs> More networking, I dropped off. You know Another what, for vague. two and a half years, you've told me not to bring up politics, and then you bring up religion unexpected. 
don't know. I just, I don't know. I just, I've, for someone who I'm said that he couldn't politics. find four a morning a week to spend with his daughter, but can find thirteen working days to switch off from technology. Yeah, because you're integrating it with your work. Switching off, you're switched off. There's nothing to integrate. It's completely different. That's a great nice. ringtone. That's really good. <laughs> what else did I have? More networking. I dropped off. Nah, definitely. Networking is easy to do. You just go to events. Everyone here is doing it right now. So we just, I just went to more events, and I think that dovetailed into number one, which creates more opportunities. And, and my resolution is going to be to make more vague resolu- uh, resolutions so yeah, that you can. No, I'll give you some coaching on it. You can achieve. You know, I'll record it and put it in freedom mentoring so everybody can learn. Outsourced, from it. Re- outsourced resolutions. There you go. I'm outsourcing everything today. This has been the most. Oh, yeah, should come to these networking events more often. Um, okay, industry trends, David. The second half uh, of our in-depth topic today. What is your what do you see in the next 12 months as being a major industry? So the, re- the reason why we're doing this is Paul and I, uh, through trenches, have been invited to sit on various panels and we've consulted to various people within the industry. And through that, we've sort of gained some insight, I think, on what is coming down the pipeline. And we're very selective on what we choose to get involved with because, um, number one, we it's a waste of time if it's not effective. And we are so careful to do things that benefit the industry um, that that we want to attach to it. So the thing that I really wanted to talk about, how many people here paid their CA membership last week, two weeks ago, and went like, while you were doing it? Because every single year we get it and we pay it and we think, I'm not really getting much from this. Well, right now, through the CA Catalyst program, they're running these tech workshops and these tech panels in every state. And they've sold out everywhere except South Australia. Paul, you sat on the Regional Council for CA for six years. How many events ever sold out? Uh, Regional Council don't do events, but uh, not many that I heard of. very, very, very rare. And the reason these are selling out is because the content is what we need. They are finally listening. And CA Catalyst is the innovation agenda of chartered accountants to say, you can come to us now and we have resources to help you participate in the sort of stuff Paul's been talking about for eight years. You were the first user of zero cloud tax. The sort of stuff that Andrew's been talking about in his firm, which is extremely cloud savvy. You're now able to go to chartered accountants and learn about this stuff. You're able to learn about how to climb the value chain. You're learning how to value price. You're learning how to have conversation with tech vendors who, because it's chartered accountants, cannot slam sales messages down your throat. It's purely educational. And I think it's a huge opportunity that finally chartered accountants are responding to what members want. Now, here's the catch. What would, your, what would the Collingwood Football Club be if 90,000 people paid a membership and nobody went to the games? I'm not a betting man, David, but um, no one got a Collingwood betting joke. Oh, I'm in the wrong room. Jaden Stevenson. Oh. Oh. You're, a, you're a football... Anyway, whatever. Anyway, yes, not... <laughs> You'd lose the essence of what that club is. The essence of that club is the Collingwood chant. It's Joffa putting on the jacket that you said. It's the intimidation you get from 90,000 people barracking against you. If you don't participate in something that you buy a membership for but are happy to groan and complain when you pay your membership, if they're offering something compelling, it starts to say more about you than it does about them. And so I've said this a few times, and I'm increasingly my voice with it. There is an opportunity to get involved and engage with chartered accountants in a way that will help you participate in the future of work. 
climb that value chain, learn about technology, learn about workflows, learn about automation. Uh, Alan Fitzgerald's in the room at the moment. Alan, you've done some work with CA Catalyst, which I know is excellent work. It's a really great playbook that is sort of like the ultimate, here's what's available right now. Here's where you need to be looking type thing. It's called Catalyst because it's not all the answers. It's a place to get started. And I think that's what industry bodies should be doing right now. And I'm coming around. We should declare you have any interest to declare. So in I'm that? doing. I'm doing a nine-part podcast series for Catalyst. CA have paid me for it. The hourly rates abysmal, uh, but I think that I think it is so important that that we're able to do this and spread the stuff that we talk about to a wider audience. Now, I'll tell you what's so interesting about this. I the first time we heard about Catalyst was when they had the startup immersion program where they're going to put a bunch of chartered accountants in startup incubators. It went straight to worst on ground. No questions asked. Do not collect $200. We thought it was the worst idea of all time. But I kind of get it now. It's about changing the public's perception of the types of businesses chartered accountants are involved with. And I think that has a value. At the time, all we knew is that that's all the catalyst was. And if, if that's all it was, it deserved it. But they, the members are speaking. The, the roadshows are packed, and I think it's fantastic. It's great to see them listen. I think it's I think it's at least uh, a wonderful chance for the industry bodies to get back in touch with their members because they probably lost track definitely lost track for many years. Uh, my industry trend, um, if I was a certain accounting publication, I would uh, put this headline of the next tech tech bubble. Uh, all add-ons will be wiped off the face of the earth in the next five years. Um, clearly, I don't read that many headlines uh, like that. But part of me as, as a, a cloud uh, accountant and, <clears throat> excuse me, in recommending and having clients on a lot of different apps, part of me about the app ecosystem worries me about a lot of small players that do a quite a small part of the tech stack of a business. You know, I think they've, there is a lot of that economy that is propped up uh, on favourable and somewhat, I would say, questionable long-term financial metrics, um, a very heavy dose of VC funding, which has been extremely generous and not necessarily too well targeted. I think it's been a little bit more scattergun. Of course, you know, I'm not in, not talking about all VC funding, but I think there is some big funds that have had small amounts in, in small parts and those small tech players promote that in a way. Paul, about half the room's messaging me right now because apparently I'm not paying enough attention to you because I'm playing on my phone. Oh, that's all right. I'm used to it. I'm surprised I haven't. I'm just running out of battery. That's the only reason I wasn't playing on my phone. Um, but I, I th look, I, I wonder in this year whether or not if VC funding thins out, if some of these smaller players don't get um, sold, gobbled up, merge, I really struggle to see a way where they are, especially the way some of them are spending money and not necessarily on product that has a future value, whether or not most of these can actually survive. So you've got a problem. There's too many apps in the ecosystem. So, so the, the, they'll proudly boast that there's 600, 700, 800. Uh, each QuickBooks in the US, is anyone from QuickBooks here so I can actually get this stat? It's like 1,600. It's more than Salesforce, which is just like it's, it's crazy. So there's actually too much and we can't make decisions. That's the first problem. 
The second problem is that the VC-backed startup growth plan is a zero-sum game. It is make it and get the entire market or we're not interested in funding. And that, that can only last so long. I think the third problem is accountants, we do have some software people here. So let's, let's ask a question. Is anyone, who's Amy? You're, uh, Amy's our zero account manager. <laughs> Amy, yeah, we've picked yeah. on you a few times. Do accountants buy quickly? Oh, God. So because accountants buy slowly, it's very hard to meet the rapid growth plan that a VC would want of somebody selling in the, in the accounting industry. The also thing for me, David, is I mean, and, and we talk about there's many different areas and verticals in that app space, some that sell to accountants, some that sell to clients of accountants. But the thing that I come back to, and I do mention this stat quite a lot on the show, is that 95% of all what we call small to medium business <clears throat> turn over less than two mil. And if you look at a lot of the apps and the type of client and type of business that's really in their wheelhouse, you're really talking about turnover of north of two mil. So that's, you know, we're talking 5% of the small business community. I really wonder how many different apps are fighting for what is really such a small piece of the pie. All of these apps are talking about, oh, well, you know, part of the three point something million small businesses in Australia. And yes, some of them are global, etc. But you know, the market I feel is just is so wafer thin of what they realistically can get that I, I just I see the I see the merry-go-round stopping and the fundamentals of those businesses aren't necessarily uh, pretty. Leo, there are two big sort of things that we can see happening in the least in the next six to twelve months. I think Paula, uh, I'll, I'll speak on your behalf for a moment. We want to thank everybody who supports from the trenches. Everybody who's come here tonight, everybody who chooses to listen to us, you know, is such a remarkable feeling when we publish a show at some weird hour, because it's never consistent, you may have noticed. And within an hour and a half, 150 people have stopped what they're doing to listen to the nonsense that we talk about. So a big thank you to everybody who listens. Now, we do have a big announcement tonight, Paul. We, have, we are very, very proud that we uh, have decided to collaborate with Nick Sinclair at the Outsourced Accountant, who many people will know. Now, Nick, because this is not a financial venture for us, Nick is providing us with an executive assistant. And every week, when you get your From the Trenches email, the executive assistant, who has not done any accounting in his life, but today became zero certified... Woo! <laughs> is going to write a review on our accounting podcast. And we're going to do this because we think that there is value in seeing that global talent is real. And if we can see the insights that somebody who's not really a part of our local community is going to make, it could be a lot of fun. It could be a disaster. It's probably going to be funny. But we're really excited to bring on Nick and the outsourced accountant to our stable of people we like working with in the industry, Paul. Absolutely. Uh, just reiterate that. Thank you all. Uh, I do know that the bar's open. So everyone's looking at us like it's time to get off. That's get mostly me because I need another, another drink. Uh, thank you all. Have a wonderful night and thank you for coming. Thank you. of From the Trenches. David and I love to hear from listeners so you can reach out if you've got feedback, story ideas, get in touch. I can be reached on Twitter at 
Paul Meissner underscore or on LinkedIn, Paul Meissner. I'm on Twitter at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar.